Hey guys, and welcome to the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report presented by Geico Mobile, the first podcast to bring you the local fishing report for Alabama's lakes and rivers, whether it's good, bad, or ugly. This week's sponsor is your local Geico of Mobile. Hey y'all, did y'all know Geico offered water service? That's right, it'll cover breakdowns, gas problems, all kind of stuff like that that we may run into on the water. Hey, and you can even bundle it with your existing boat insurance to save more. Call Ron Davis of Geico Mobile and get you a quote, 251-445-0053. That's Ron Davis at 251-445-0053 or visit him online at geico.com forward slash mobile dash AL. I'm your host, Brian Sin, with your host, Stephen Wisdom. What's going on, man? Man. It is getting hot in Alabama, mm. but I guess it's better than it being wet and cold. But I'm good, man. It, it is here at the shop this week. We are starting to steam up, but the, the blessing that overfloweth is <laughs> the AC's been broken. It is back up and running. Oh, and It is feeling good today, sitting in this chair, air blowing on me. It's good, man. I'm really thankful to you for that, uh, for getting this AC. Yeah, what, what you guys don't know is what you don't see to the lens of the podcast is there was a couple times we were recording and it was a sweaty mess. That's the best way I could. Just, just a nasty sweaty mess. <laughs> but we're back up and running and uh, look forward to today's show and I'm excited about uh, the guests that we have on today. You have a great relationship, uh, and, and I can't wait to hear their story and, and dive in a little bit to something that has become quite famous, but is still out of my league, and I don't know that I'm ever going to jump into it, but we'll dive more No, you're, you're going, <laughs> man. We're going to get you in there. we got to get your kids on the boat and let them, be, let them watch this and be part of it. It's one of those things that I never – in a million years thought I would do till I did it. It's a very addictive way to fish, and that's sticking your hand in a hole. So it's pretty darn exciting. These guys that we're going to have on today uh, are the ones that got me started on it, and and then my we got our kids involved, and now that's all they want to do. Uh, they look forward to it more than they do deer season or turkey season. So it's a lot of fun, man. It's a lot of fun. That's crazy. Well, guys, we are diving in today with something a little special. Uh, it has become quite popular in the world of fishing. The art of noodling for giant catfish. And uh, you've probably all seen it on TV, but you know our special guests today, Hannah and Jeff Barron, they do it and do it well, and they live and swear by it. And as you'll see, if you go to their Facebook Instagram accounts, you'll see just how impressive uh, they are at chasing these gigantic catfish, not with a rod and reel, not with a hook, but with their bare hands. But with Hannah and her hands, yeah, and so that's about it. Like we said, this is going to be an exciting show, and, and I've been looking forward to getting these guys on. They have become very close friends of mine and my family, so without further ado, for our first segment today, let's bring on the Barons, Jeff and Hannah Barron. Welcome to the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report, guys. Thank you. Good oh, to yeah. be here. 
Well, we are glad to have you, man. Well, like I said, we've we've I've got to know you guys really good. Y'all got me and my family started noodling, and and that's what I was telling Stephen a while ago. We have my kids. Uh, you know, they like to deer hunt, and they like to turkey hunt, but they look forward to noodling season every year. Big part of that because they 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 want to go back with y'all. So you know, they y'all y'all do better. They they get more excited about going fishing with y'all than they do with Daddy for some reason. Oh, cool. Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> They got a little bit more to look at when Hannah comes. You know what I'm saying? I ain't going to say all that. Yeah, well, that's it. <laughs> well, you know how them teenage boys are. You might be right. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I know it. I know it. Well, it's better looking at me and you. You know what I'm saying? So, well, and I think and I think little Kendall likes it because Hannah lets her ride on the back. And, uh, and, I know it. Yeah, little court. Yeah, my little court. Yeah. With her little life jacket on. Well, guys, man, tell me, I, I mean – Y'all had a pretty phenomenal weekend last weekend, if I understand right. We took some folks, and they caught some fish. Yeah, we caught, though. Well, they caught. Yeah, we didn't catch any. We let them catch we them We don't catch them, but they they were over 600 pounds in one day and a couple hundred at least. Lord, I don't know. That one day, though, the average fish was 40, 45 pounds, and the biggest one was 50, 51. 51 pounds. So 40 pounds of fish per fish 600 pounds a day that's crazy but let's not get ahead of ourselves i have to know where did this all start i mean you guys stick your arms into boxes to get bit obviously anybody who's listening knows that over the last i don't know decade noodling has become quite popular and now we have a father-daughter combo here with us today where did this start? Where did it begin with you guys? Because you go on your social media stuff. You obviously have made a big splash in the world of noodling and the world of social media. And you've created some great content and a great following. But where did it all start with you guys? How in the world did you get into this? Well, we started, we've been like hunting and fishing and all that for our whole lives, especially daddy he's been doing it since he was old enough to walk and tow the gun and all but we didn't start noodling until about what seven eight years ago i cut a bunch of logs i got a sawmill and i cut a bunch of logs for the, the local game warden that had just moved from shelby county down to uh to here and uh to crenshaw where we're at he was so he had done it before, and, and of course, him being game warden, I didn't charge him to cut the lumber, so, you know, we become friends. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, I mean, you got to politic a little bit, you know what uh, I'm That's saying? right. Like, uh, we became friends, and he asked me one day, he said, man, you want to go noodling? And I said, man, I don't even, you know, I thought they were talking about, you know, the, the pool noodling kind of stuff, you know, and, and he said, no, I mean, really noodling. I said, Yeah. Yeah, we went, and the first fish we ever saw somebody come out of the water with was, what, like a 70-pound blue cat? Oh, it was a monster. Good but gracious. the dude didn't hold on to it. Only had one hand on it, and he twisted and, and tore out. So all we saw really was the fish's head. No, we hadn't even got out of the water. I mean, out of the boat yet and into the water. Took all the hide off the top of the dude's hand and left here. He got beat up pretty good, and I'm thinking, man, give me a little – mud cat or something i don't need all that <laughs> but by the end of the day See, we your, were, uh, your first fish experience is exactly why i will not be doing this anytime <laughs> in the near future it won't happen brian we're gonna get you out there, it brother. will not happen 
Sorry, keep going, yeah, keep going, keep going. Yeah, it, wasn't, it wasn't that bad. I mean, we, we did it, I guess. Oh, by the end of the day, we were we were hooked and have been wide open ever since. Oh, Hannah, Hannah made a video of one. Back in June of 2016, I made a video catching about a 30-pound flathead, and that's when everything really blew up because that video went viral. Got about 25 million views on Facebook, and I didn't share it around or anything. Just people saw it and shared it. After that, that's when people started to, you know, noodle and actually became started becoming big. Because before that, the only way people had heard of it was that show Hillbilly Handfishing, and the few people that actually did. But people well, didn't really know what noodling was. Well, they would stick. They had the pipe with the hooks. That's the way they were doing it. Before. You know, it was it was like that. Well, and you know, it's funny. I, I was looking through, I was looking through Instagram actually yesterday, and just scrolling through, and I was seeing all these people holding these fish that they noodle. Two years ago, you didn't see that. Three, no, because it wasn't a thing until it, until you, really Anna and Jeff. I mean, you guys kind of have made the sport. It was there already. Some people knew about it and some people did it, but I think that that you guys created the, the craze, I guess you would say. Uh, yeah, we brought awareness to the sport and kind of made it a thing. That's right. Absolutely. And I wish y'all would slow down because now when I go to Logan Martin or wherever I go, Newland, it, it's, it's like somebody's been in a, everybody's trying to do it now. So everybody's fishing your holes out before you get there. Yeah, that's, <laughs> you know? that's the worst part of all of this is now everybody's noodling and it's hard to find any fish Who anymore. Ever thought. So it's been a, it's been a problem and I've been a, a competitive fisherman for a decade and a half. And there's always the problem of someone fishing your hole, but who would have ever thought <laughs> would have had that that statement would have ever been made somebody fished my whole noodling man someone done been here today that's right but that's, oh, yeah. but that's it, it, amazing how big it has gotten so tell me do you, do you guys do you do you go all over the state uh, or do you kind of have a go-to body of water like where is the shore we go everywhere everywhere all over where's the go-to tell me your secret spot not really but for real Tell me yeah, we can't do that, man. I promise you we so, can't do that. Oh, okay. I, I All right. So help, help, you know, it's fresh, Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report, trying to just help people give some tangible, you know, information. Is it better to pursue uh, catfish noodling, you know, in a river system like the Alabama River or, you know, the Tom Bigby or more of these reservoirs like Logan? Yeah, reservoir, definitely. Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely reservoir. The Alabama River, we hadn't had any luck on it for some reason. We're not catching enough. We're just the the boxes don't seem to work there, or, and there's not enough boat ramps to really fish it much. I mean, you can catch a few, but you're not going to do very much. Oh, you know, boat ramps is is what most of the people are hitting now. So, you know, that's where the fish are going to be is under these boat ramps. Oh no, and then most of that's going to be on the you know on the Coosa River. You know, some of those reservoirs, you know, Mitchell and and Lay and stuff like that, but the way we're having to do it now, we're just building our own, you know, our own boxes. So the fish, you know, we don't have to fish behind anybody unless they find them. Yeah. And yeah, there are people that's going to, that's going to fish your boxes if they find them. That's just, mm -hmm. it's sad, but it's so there's people that actually do that. To me, that's like, oh, that's like me checking your trot line. You know, it's, it's, it's just not right, you know, but people do it, you know, they don't think anything about it. 
you know. Well, and, and I just, uh, under, under your guidance and of how to build the boxes, I built eight or 10 of them and put out over the last, you know, four or five days. And, you know, one of the questions I had for you is when I'm putting these boxes out, there's, there's, there's tons of different, these, these are big reservoirs. These are big bodies of water and I can stay close to the main channel and put them out, or I can go in the very back of these sloughs closer to the grass and grass beds and maybe away from the main channel and away from the people and put them out when you're looking for an area to put a box out is it are you trying to get it closer to the deeper water or are you going to the back you i mean really we've done both and we've caught fish out of both and we've not caught fish out of both but the only thing with boxes is they're going to get in boat ramps better than they get in boxes yeah because something like a a boat ramp's going to be more natural to them, like a rock ledge or something like that. So they're going to be more accustomed to using something like that than they would a box. But uh, as far as the water depth, we really, we've got some places that we fish that you might walk, you know, 100 yards, and it might be waist deep. You know what I'm saying? I mean, the, the box itself may be 150 yards off the bank. You just don't know. And then you might have a place where you've got a box that's, uh, you've got a 100 yard flat that's that's three or four feet deep you put a box and it drops off to 30 just right there at the box it starts dropping off mm -hmm. fishing both you really don't know i guess when these fish get ready to bed they're just looking for a hole that's not you know already occupied that's what they're doing so they they gotta you know I, i'm pretty sure they're probably on a time frame where we, you know we got to do this and 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 uh, if there's a smaller fish in the hole i know that they'll those bigger fish will go in there and blow those smaller ones out and, and do their business. You know, they just push them out. But, uh, well, based off what you just said, and look, I, I, I will be the first to say I'm pretty ignorant. So this is really just something you do during the spawn for the catfish. This is, right. this is not something you do year round. Okay. And that's and, why we, t we, we release most of the fish. I mean, almost every one of them, if we do keep something, it'll be a male more than likely or or something that's that we may have possibly injured you know accidentally while catching it or whatever you know which is very rare but it you know it does happen so kind of like bass pretty territorial when it comes to their bed so they're going to want to be isolated and by <laughs> themselves or do you guys yeah. would you guys put out a, several boxes in one area because it seems to be a, a high trafficked area how, how does the setup there go most part, there we're putting them. We're probably putting them a half to a quarter apart. Uh, we've got some places that we put three or four in one spot, just you know, experimenting with it, and mm -hmm. we're only catching one fish out of one of the boxes. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. that's just that's just normally the way it is. It's just like oh, uh, it's like hunting big deer. You don't have a whole lot of big deer in one area. You know, I think it's so. Uh, you know, they're sort of spread out over that you know huge body of water. So. We sort of, you know, spread it out to increase our odds of catching a big one, you know, because I do think they are somewhat territorial, you know, especially maybe this time of the year. I know the males are, so. Well, now, how long will you leave a box out? And if it doesn't, if it doesn't produce, how long will you give it to produce before you relocate it? I won't. Uh, we never have relocated. They're too of, aggravating to try to pull up out of the water. You know, when you put that nasty thing in the boat, man, I just soon build a new one, you know. Yeah. But I'll keep checking that one. I mean, we'll keep checking it even though it hadn't produced. Have we ever had anyone go a year or two? And then I can't remember, but I'm sure we have. You know, that, that produces eventually something will find it. You know, the fish will go in it and they'll blow it out and, uh, and then just stop. 
and you know for whatever reason i don't know uh you know change just change up and go somewhere else with it but you know what i never have figured that out either you know because when you come up to one of them you can tell that the male's been on the outside ramping around the outside of the box because it'll just it'll they'll have a cavern they'll almost they'll bury the box mm. want to handle i mean they'll bury it yeah so, that's crazy. And some of them just leave, and it's like you know she didn't like it, so she left. You know, I don't know. Does the male will the male go in ahead of the female, and kind of start preparing it, and then the female come in? I caught a fish, and I and and it was obviously a male. I mean, it just it was it was a smaller fish. It was thinner. I felt like it was a male anyway, and there wasn't a female in the hole. She had already come in late, or somebody had yeah, caught her, the, one of the two. The males come in first and, like you said, prepare the place. Then the females come in, lay their eggs, all that. And the male stays after she leaves and protects the eggs. I got you. They just do come like, in first. Just males. like in bass. The man does all the work. That's right. I reckon so. <laughs> That's right. Uh-huh. Brent, you get me in trouble with Brenda. Be oh. careful. Well, Hannah, tell us about you caught your personal best this year, Blue Cat. And if you guys have not been on Hannah's YouTube page, I would uh, urge you to to go look and and follow her on on YouTube as well, because the, the video is and Daz. That's right. Jeff's got one now too. So go follow Hannah and Jeff both on on YouTube and and Instagram and Facebook. But that was a pretty phenomenal video. Tell us about that fish and and you were you weren't in Alabama on that fish, correct? I was. I'm just not gonna say where. Oh, that's right. On the what? What? How much did it weigh? Sixty-one pounds. My goodness, alive! How much do you weigh? Uh, one hundred and seventeen. Holy cow! So you were wrestling a fish that is basically half your body weight, and probably and bites really hard. Yeah, yeah they do bite hard. Yeah. So tell us about it. Tell us about the you know, and tell us where, but the approach, what happened. Did you know it was about to go down? Help the listeners kind of visualize catching a 60-pound fish with your hands. Tell, tell us the Especially story. Especially being a blue cat, because last year we caught a 67-pound flathead, but she didn't bite nothing like, you know, the 61-pound blue cat. Blue cats are just, they're, they bite harder, they're meaner, everything. Yeah, they don't bite any harder they just bite yeah they're all harder. super strong when you're fighting them but the, the blue just they're like a pit bull they just yeah bite yeah my arm i had on a wetsuit because it was about 53 degrees when we got there that morning and just cold it's the only fish we found that day we knew it was going to be a good size blue i didn't know how big blue cat's mouths are smaller too so they'll kind of fool you i went i got bit or i went down probably four times of getting bit before I actually could grab her because every time she bit me she'd swallow me up to my wrist and just shake like a bulldog and beat me up against the darn box and stuff <laughs> and I thought she was about 40 pounds because it's hard to tell you know it's dark down there and you can't see nothing just trying to base it off the size of her mouth which like I said she was biting me up to my wrist so I just know she's clamping down on me a good bit and yeah she finally bit down one time and I had her on my thumb for long enough to try to get my left hand around to grab her gill plate and start bringing her out of the hole. I got my arm in her a little ways and she whirled while I was bringing her out of the hole and 
was upside down. So I wrapped my legs and everything else around her until I could get my arm between her gill and her gill plate and hold on to her bottom jaw. And that it, was it. It was impressive. I mean, when you came up on that video, I mean, you had it bear hugged, your legs wrapped around it. I mean, it oh, was yeah. uh, the fight was on. It was an awesome video. And uh, I, I'm going to tell you guys, I, I think, probably the biggest I've caught is, is 35 pounds. It's probably the biggest one I've caught. And, you know, I want to catch a 60, but it's a part of me that, that, I mean, I'm happy with 35, 60. Oh, yeah. People don't understand that haven't done this, the power mm -hmm. of a 30-pound fish. People and, don't understand how easy it would be to get your arm broke doing it. Yeah, what yeah. people don't understand, this is what people don't understand. Tell me, Jeff, people talk to me. they catching they they think they're catching 30 and 40 pound 50 pound fish i've seen people say man i got a 50 pound fish man you got a 20 pound fish we made that video on it you remember yeah yeah because you ago? yeah because you made fun I of me in it, so I, remember. I did I, I put your name in there you Sorry. called me out on it because i you, i did i i was looking at this fish and i'm like that fish has got to be 30 pounds and you're like no it's because it takes a lot of fish it's a lot of meat there dude to make 30 40 pound fish it's and it's deceiving i mean it was to us too we yeah, just I mean, looked we at so that got many yeah we did it too when we first started oh man it's huge fish you know and you weigh it and think well it's 25 30 pounds and, and uh, um, it's yeah. just hard to and, until you put a set of scales on it when you're now i can look at one and i can get within a pound or two every time Blue yeah. or flathead, I can I can come really close, but you know before you scale it. But we still put the scales on every one of them just to know, you know, just to know for sure. Because that one she caught last year up in Illinois, it was seventy something on one scale and sixty something on another. Yeah, it was sixty. Just, it was sixty one on one scale, I think, and seventy six on the other. Yeah, so we just split the difference and you know went in the middle with it. Oh. Not really knowing exactly what what the fish weighed, so it may have been seventy six or whatever. Just it don't matter. It was big. It was big. It was big. It was big. Yeah. Well, and another and thing people don't understand is how they gum hard those blue cats bite. It is seriously like sticking your arm in a car door and slamming it. Yeah. And trying yeah, to drag it. it out. Well, and yeah, I've seen I've seen, your, I, I've seen your, your arm at the at the end of noodle season, and and uh, it's. It scarred up pretty bad. I mean, even when 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 you guys took us and and somehow talked my wife into doing this, I think there there could have there may or may have not have been a a, a culture or two involved in that. But that's a whole other podcast. That's a whole different show. No, that's a whole other podcast. That's a whole other podcast. Even and it wasn't even a big fish, and it still scarred her hand up a little bit. And uh, and of course, I've I've had it. But you're you're right. People on that haven't done it don't understand the power of their their jaws and 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 what it'll do to your hand. And and of course, you you wear gloves. Oh, yeah. But even with gloves on, it's still it's still a scratch. It goes through the gloves. I got a spot on my hand from that sixty one. I tell you what, all them boys that taught us, you know, that taught us how to do it, they don't want no blue cat. No. They have been bit up enough. They don't want no part of them because they've been they've been they've been bit up enough sticking their hands in them water heaters and stuff. Like they don't even. One dude still to having surgeries on his hand trying to get it back right. Yeah, you, just you get a hold of the right fish and that's it. Yeah, you get. Let me tell you something. I've had my feet stuck in their mouth and cannot get my foot out of its mouth. 
I mean, cannot. I have to go down and get the get the fish and pry his jaws open and get him off my foot because I cannot pull my foot. I got my foot on top of his head and can't pull my foot out of his mouth. My feet look like hamburgers after that Illinois stuff, man. That's well, them feet and hole, and they just swallow both of them. Good yeah. gracious. Well, and that's one thing that, that, that I'll say, and I'm, and I'm so glad that, that I started doing this with you guys because, Jeff, you're, you're so good at, at making sure everybody is safe when they're doing this, and uh, there is some danger involved in it. And, and, you know, I mean, we've had times where uh, I remember one hole that was way out over, over my head was having to dive down to, and, and we actually tied a rope around me and so that you could pull me back. Cause if you don't have your feet on the ground and you get one of these fish out of the hole, he, he may just swim off with you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's hard to swim with a 40, 50-pound fish, you know, him yeah. fighting you the whole time. So you, we've got a, a place, you know, at our local lake that we uh, – we have to tie a rope to me, and I won't let Hannah do it. But oh, that sixty-seven I caught last year was over my head, and we had a rope tied around my waist. It makes it a lot more difficult. But now, if you can push off the bottom, I mean, you can make it. You know what I mean? You can get up, get another breath of air before you go back down. You know, if you've got that fish. But you know, you just never know. You know, it don't hurt to have that rope because if 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 something did, you know, collapse or. You don't ever know. I mean, yeah. You know, hook the hook the boat up to the rope, and y'all start gassing on it in about two minutes, because you know I'm I'm gonna be in a little need of some air in about a couple of minutes. So. Yeah. Well, guys, don't worry. I am still here, but I it was the power of technology. I've been over here just mesmerized. I'm actually watching uh, the video of the fish you guys are talking about. It's pretty. It's pretty amazing. Again, noodling is something that I've always been infatuated with, but. Uh, I guess not man enough to actually do because <laughs> I guess thinking and I've done some pretty crazy stuff in my life I got to figure out how to get past that first bite right the first time the fish yeah. snaps down on yeah. my hand or my arm that's what I got to get through in my head like I just don't See, even that's have why to you do it though that's why yeah, you do that, it. That, yeah that's why you do it I mean, you're gonna be chasing that feeling You'll be chasing that feeling, that adrenaline rush the, 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 from now on. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I mean, you can't get enough of that. That's and that's what, part of the that's, fun for, for me now, for, for you, Jeff, yeah. I know, is, is watching people do it for the first time because, you know, I remember we had old big Jason Fox, a big NFL football player, came down with us, and we're standing there at the edge of the hole, and we done found the fish. We know he's in the box. And you're sitting there coaching, like, all right, Jason, now you're going to get you a big breath. He's like, all right, all right. You go down, stick your arm in the hole, all right, all right. And then the fish is going to bite you. And he's like, whoa, whoa, wait, 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 wait. Well, you may, and you're trying to process in your mind, and you just have to experience it. I agree. That's what I've tried to process in my mind. What do you mean he's going to bite me? Like, because I'm a guy who's like, I'm a planner, right? Like I'm a, I'm a, I'm a measure twice, cut once kind of guy, you know, when I'm fishing tournaments, I'm, I'm, it's all about preparation and risk versus reward. And you know, what's the odds if I go do this versus that. And so here I am trying to calculate in my head, what is the, what is the actual return on that bite? You know, and that's just that formula, that crazy formula in my head just had, I hadn't got the answer yet. Addiction. That's the answer. Addiction. Uh, 
You just don't have to do it, though. You're going to have to come with us one time, try it, and then you'll see what we're talking about. I used to do promotions on a, a catfish tournament trail. And I actually, I grew up in the Shoals, which is on, you know, Pickwick. And I so happened to work my way back there. And, you know, I grew up fishing below the dam and catching some catfish. But I was doing promotion on a catfish tournament. I'll never forget. These dudes, I'm a bass guy. I'm thinking, you know, 20-pound days. Like, yeah, awesome. These dudes are bringing in three four five hundred pounds worth of catfish and that's the first time i was really exposed to these huge 30 40 50 pound cat and these guys not noodling they were catching them with hooks but catching multiple fish a day that were 40 50 pounds just i mean they look like dinosaurs when they they would bring them up to the scales you know and wait they would weigh them in these huge you know water tanks my mind's like me putting my hand in one of those fish's mouth and, and jerking them out a hole like like Hannah just did in this video I just watched while you guys are chatting. Pretty impressive. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's a it's an amazing and I, I can see it. I can see the addiction there of the the re, the wrestling of a uh, you know a prehistoric animal you know basically is what it is and so that's pretty amazing guys and so so here we are it sounds like based off what you guys are saying we're in it, right? We're in it. we're in it. And how how long do we have? How long does this does this spawning season last? Where you have an opportunity to uh, catch these fish in these boxes? It mostly depends on the, the water temperature, you know, the weather, all that. Usually starts dying out July, around yeah. the first week or so of July. Just yeah, like I said, depending further, on further up north, it'll still be going. So. Yeah, depending on temperature. Water temperature, that's what makes it. We've had a strange spring. You know, it started out warm, and then it it got cold again. It it sort of backed them up, so it's possible that it could go on a little bit longer because right now we're just now starting to catch flatheads. You know, blue's always bed, you know, when it's so in cooler temperatures. So yeah, now we're just getting into flathead season, so it's all. And still catching a few blues, too. So oh, it might go on into – you know, the middle or the end of July here in, you know, in Alabama. Well, we don't know that. I don't know, but most of the time after after the flathead, then you'll start getting the smaller blues. You know, mm-hmm. the, you'll get the smaller fish. For some reason, they come in last, the smaller blue cat. So, yeah. Well, well I, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge outdoorsman. I love to, to hunt and fish. And, uh, you know, as the listeners know, I actually own a feed company. And I basically spend year-round – and the outdoors and and that's really why i love fishing even the most of all because like i love duck hunting but the worst thing about duck hunting is it, it just it's so short and same thing with turkey season so that's why i think my heart's in fishing where i can do it anytime any place year round what do you guys do i mean you've got like two months of just awesomeness what do you do after that what do you what do you do Oh, noodling's not even our favorite thing to do. Uh-oh. No, deer hunting. Deer, deer hunting's our favorite. No. Oh. Chasing the old antler head. So deer and catfish is kind of equal. Yeah, we, we, we'll, go to, we'll go to the bay and start shooting stingrays after noodling season. No, yeah, and no. then we'll hunt That's hogs. Fine. Yeah, we got we trap hogs and, and hunt hogs, so we got... We got plenty of stuff to do. Yeah, nice. we got well, and we're going to uh, we're going to Canada this year too. This we're gonna try to get up there and, and uh, hunt some elk and mule deer. You gonna kill a mule deer? Try to kill a mule deer. I'll try to. And Hannah, you so, killed uh you killed quite a elk last year. What did things go? Three seventy. Three seventy. I don't know. 
absolute monster. Yeah. I mean, you, you had an yeah, incredible but, last year. All Your year last year was a, a year of a lifetime. I mean, you, you got to do a lot of cool stuff and, and kill a lot of big animals. So I, I want to just switch gears really quick. I, I've already taken a lot of your guys' time, and I appreciate it. But I just want to switch to the social media side of this. And this is that, – that first video went viral, and then you've obviously grown – since then a good bit and guys if, if if you're not aware i i think that now hannah that you have more followers and a bigger following than i know any other female in the outdoor industry other and, than like sarah bomar and yeah but you're i mean what are you up to on instagram now Six hundred sixty-seven thousand. that's a lot of people guys and um yeah, that's a pile of folks out there there ain't no doubt that's a pile yeah. of folks. And, and so you've, yeah. you've basically, I mean, you're, you're doing this now. Uh, this is, this is what you do. And, and so congratulations on that. And I know you're doing really well at it. Uh, how Thank do you, you with big social media presence and, 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 and I don't have a big, you know, I got 70,000 on, on, on the, on the, you do outdoors. And I posted a picture of of this great kid i mean this is one of the most polite young men i've ever been in a boat with and i posted a picture yesterday and you know one of the first comments i've got is you know that's not a sport that's cruel why can't you just play tennis or do something different and i'm like you have to deal with that on a scale that is massive every day and it, it used to bother me and i used to actually respond to all these people but i don't anymore I don't know if that's good or bad but I really don't have the time or the energy to try to respond to all the hate and I don't read them yeah you do because you tell me about no, I don't <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah I might read mine but I don't read yours but I don't have but what 87,000 followers but if I read hers I would just I can read a couple of them and you know it, it, people are people are cruel I'm people are cruel, cruel. Yeah, I just don't get it. I don't understand. I guess it was a raisin or whatever. I don't know why they got to be that negative, but it's not like we're, you know, anything that we're doing, we're not uh, taking advantage of wildlife. We're not, you know, we're conserving, if anything. The hogs that we kill, we got a lot of hate on that. People say, you know, how can you eat that many? Well, we don't eat that many, but we got people that do, you know. Oh, yeah. You know, we got a freezer. We keep our freezers full of hogs and, and uh, we keep our you know, family's freezers and our neighbor's freezers and our. Yeah. And everybody's freezer's full of meat. Yeah, Alabama's not supposed to have wild hogs. So, I mean, I don't understand why, you know, it's it's a problem for us to catch 100 or 200 hogs a year. I don't see what, uh, I think we're helping. You know, I know we're helping. So, yeah, Absolutely. we're helping out the deer Absolutely. and the turkey and the squirrels and the rabbits and the stuff that's supposed to be here, not not the wild hogs and, you know, working on the farmer's peanuts down here in the south, I mean, in the corn crops, and it's just, it's a mess. We got to deal with people that can't stand it, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, guys, man, it has been awesome kind of hearing your narrative of, of this uh, almost in a way, some people may call it redneck. I, I, I see I, it's majestic to me. Right. The pursuit yeah. of, of, of catching these <laughs> massive fish. That, uh, that's a it's, word. It's you a, just <laughs> used a word on Jeff Barron that he's never had used on him before. <laughs> yeah. Majestic. Yeah. I don't hear majestic. Yeah. <laughs> 
I don't even dream about majestic. Dude. I don't even know what you're talking about. Uh, it, the redneck, it, though, I could relate to. Yeah. You know, I could relate to redneck. Redneck. redneck majestic. Maybe that's the name of a new show, guys. New show, redneck. Oh, uh, there you go. Yeah, uh, that's stretching it there, but we'll, we'll yeah. try it. Yeah. But you guys spend a lot of time uh, producing content. So tell the listeners, you know, how can they, they find you guys, enjoy the con- the content that you create throughout the year, not only in noodling, but it sounds like, you know, year round with just the love of, of the pursuit of wild animals and, and experiencing uh, God's great creation. And, and, and so tell us, tell, tell our listeners how, how they can follow you guys and how they can check out some of your footage and, and just kind of enjoy what you're doing. Yeah. Instagram is Hannah Barron 96 and Jeff Barron 70. YouTube, one of them is Hannah Barron and other is Jeff Barron. Any other channels are fake on YouTube because there's already a few fake YouTube channels and it makes me ill. Um, Facebook, Hannah Barron Outdoors and Jeff Barron. The same. And you can find us on You Do Outdoors at Hannah Barron 96 and Jeff Barron 70. That's it. And thank you for being on there, guys. And uh, you know you ain't getting no hate on there. Nobody's attacking you on, on that site for sure. And this segment is actually brought to you by You Do Outdoors. So, guys, if you have not been on You Do, if you haven't checked it out yet, you can go to the website, www.youdooutdoors.com, or even better, you can download it on uh, the App Store, Google Play, it's a free app, and it's social media for us, for people that love the outdoors, for people that support what others are doing in the outdoors. You won't find any hate on there. So if you haven't been on there yet, download it and go check it out. Hannah and Jeff will be on there and uh, and a lot of other great people as well. So we appreciate you guys being on. And, and man, as always, just as a pleasure anytime I'm around y'all. And we'll look forward to seeing you soon, guys. Y'all be safe. Y'all too. Oh, yeah. We appreciate it, y'all. Take care, Stephen. Nice meeting you, dude. We're mm-hmm. glad to get you out there and get you bit too now before it's over. I got to, uh, I don't know. Um, still dreaming about what it's going it, to happen. Trust me, it's going to happen <laughs> sooner than later. I mean, I, I guess, I, I, guess I, I like a good roughed up thumb from catching 100 fish a day. So maybe a, it ain't going to take but one to rough it up this time. <laughs> maybe a roughed up hand from catching one big one. I, I can, I can, uh, I'll muster it up one day. <laughs> All right, guys. Yeah, y'all take care, guys. man. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank, Thank y'all. y'all. Appreciate it. See ya. Well, Brian, that was awesome. Just hearing, again, like we talk about a lot of times, just hearing new things. And, man, I've been an avid fisherman my whole life. But the really cool thing about fishing, and even I've been teaching my son this, is there's so many different ways to fish and so many different experiences. But, Man, I'm always excited when we get to transition back to my love. And so our next segment is back to the old uh, green fish, the largemouth bass that I love and endure. And even more so, I love uh, having guests on from Lake Gunnersville. And we've got Captain Alex Davis on Lake Gunnersville now to talk about the real fish. (laughs) Alex, how we doing today? Doing good. I'm actually on Lake Chickamauga right now, just idling around. Even better, even better. So for those who don't know, uh, Lake Chickamauga is, is still on the Tennessee River, but it's, it's two, body, two bodies of water up from Lake Gunnersville, which is Alex's uh, home lake and where he guides for the most part. And uh, Above that on, on the Tennessee River is Nickajack, and then you roll into to the, what, what we call the Chick. And it's a pretty, 
pretty cool place as well. Fish is very similar to Gunnersville, if uh, but but much fish is much smaller. Um, what are you doing up there today? Um, I actually we got a tournament up here in three weeks. I wanted a personal day to go just like right around and look. I think I enjoy idling and looking for stuff more than I do fishing at times. I hate to say that. I, I don't even have a rod out, so I couldn't catch one today if I had to, but I feel like I'm going to learn something. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's just as much to learn about conditions without without a rod in your hand. And that, actually, I mean, I you know, huge props to that, Alex, because for our listeners, that actually takes a lot of discipline um, as a fisherman. And the guys who can discipline themselves to do it usually – you know, there's there's a return on that and, and reward in that if being able to just look let's put our rod down let's 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 avoid the the temptation of, of catching a fish and and really learn uh, a body of water and learn what's what's coming and 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 try to read and understand the conditions and so uh that's awesome dude uh, i'm glad you're doing that and like you say some days it's just good to have a personal day of not catching fish just learning more about a body of water um without the distraction of, of, of even from a guide standpoint the distraction of the pressure of performing for your your clients but but i imagine you've been on garnersville and 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 i imagine, I imagine things are hot and heavy with your clientele uh, tell us what's going on on gunnersville right now uh well a couple weeks ago they were starting to move out on the ledges that's kind of what they do on the whole you know that's what they do on the tennessee river they once it gets warm and the water starts getting mid 70s the fish go deeper everything was kind of lining up to be that was what they was doing and they got out there and you know caught some doing it and was enjoying myself and then we had a whole bunch of current they pulled like a hundred thousand cubic feet of you know a second for a, mm-hmm. a long time and a lot of times what that does is it actually displaces them and it, it, it gets them off of the, the deep stuff. It sends them back shallow. And I think that's kind of that. I know that's what happened on Gunnersville, but you can kind of look at that. Uh, I don't know if you've talked about it today, but the Costa that was at um, Pickwick last week, mm-hmm. that was very unpickwick like weight. Um, that was, you know, 50, I think 56 pounds one. And yeah. Jacob Wheeler, he won by like five pounds. So you're thinking second was, 50 51 which is very not a tennessee river like this time of year yeah it should have been over 60 right it's so 22 a day i would yeah. say you know if i if someone was to ask me that you know what what was it going to take to win i would have told them it'd take 22 23 a day that i had some buddies fishing and they all said the same thing they found a bunch of schools and then a bunch of current came and it it moved the fish so I don't know about Pickwick as far. I know they have grass, but Gunnersville obviously has more grass than anywhere on the chain. And it just sends our fish back to the grass, which I enjoy. I love fishing grass. So it's been, I can honestly say the last four or five days, probably been the best five days I've seen on Gunnersville in a long, long time. That's awesome. Wow. That's good. So I would have not have, have thought that. I would have thought that they, whether they're the depth they were at, had more to do with the water temperature than it than it did that current coming in so that uh that that teaches me something right there but that current actually will take those fish off the deep water and and push them back shallow and i don't know if it makes the fish do it but i mean in a uh, as a fish he only has two things he has to do to survive in life and that is eat and make babies in the spring and they've already got that out of the way so mm-hmm really the only thing a fish has to do now is eat and survive 
And what I've seen from idling out deep a lot is the shad that was out there are now gone. So when the bait leaves and the food leaves, a fish is not going to sit there and be dumb. He is going to go, yeah. he's going to go find somewhere to feed his belly. So I think that's what it more does. I don't know if it, I don't think the current makes the fish leave as much as the current makes the food leave. And when the food leaves, the fish mm. leaves. Yeah. Makes sense. And in a lake like Gunnersville, where it's uh, a lot of grass, which great ambush points since where a lot of, you know, I guess they go from when the shad disappear, they, 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 they go start eating bluegill and, and, you know, sunfish up in the, in the grass. And it's, it's more instead of chasing schools or just trying to find ambush points in the grass and, uh, until you think about it, I mean, Gunnersville is, even though it has spotted bass and even has a few small mouths, people don't, they'll never talk about, but it's dominated by, by large mouth and, and large mouth, large mouth uh, are, are current oriented, but nothing like the spotted bass. I mean, and so it being dom uh, dominated by large mouth bass, you know, they, they, that current gets to rolling. I think even that has an effect on a large mouth of wanting to uh, not be out there when it's when it's that constant hard current like a spotted bass would they thrive on that versus a large mouth would kind of gets a little lazy i think get up in the grass and and be opportunist eater versus chasing schools of bait and so you say that you, you love grass fishing so do i you know how are you chasing them now that they've kind of dispersed a little bit i imagine it won't last long but but how are you chasing them up in the grass right now um, there's still a, a lingering shad spawn. I know that's probably hard to believe because it gotten so hot, but, um, yesterday morning when I was on my trip, throwing a spinner bait and a square bill every once in a while, it's not, you know, it wasn't every cast, like, a, you know, when the shad spawns full blown, but every once in a while you'd see shad follow your bait in. And usually when you got around it and you would see it, that's when you'd start catching them. So it tells me that they're still queued up on that shad spawn and that's just kind of where the fish are. And then that seems like it ends at 9 30 10 o'clock and that gets slow um i've had a lot of four hour trips lately so you know we starting at 5 30 we're done at 9 30 so we're just pretty much just fishing just strictly the shad spawn um but for the trips that's lasted longer most of you just have to slow down the same areas now that'd be you know maybe a light carolina rig or a light texas rig you know just something where you can fish the same areas just really slow down and you can get bit. Obviously, it's not the flurries like you get in the morning where it's the every cast or every three cast, but you're still picking them off. And I'd rather, personally, I'd rather pick them off slow and steady versus nothing. Mm -hmm. So tell me, you know, what is the strategy? Is it simply because of the prime time? You know, why did people tend to, you know, do a 530 to 930 trip? Is there is there something there that I'm not seeing? Or is it like, look, come at the best time, let's get it knocked out and let's move on with our day? Um, a lot of people, like a lot of the trips I get, I think, honestly, people aren't used to fishing eight hours a day. Mm -hmm. So, you you know, you get a who is not used to fishing eight hours, he's coming just want to enjoy, you know, go yeah. with a buddy or take his after four hours they you know they're saying oh man my shoulder oh my back you know it's warm you know it's all of a sudden 85 degrees and i'm kind of hot you know they make the comments of i got an office job i'm not used to this so i think you know the heat has a lot to do with it that just not fishing eight hours a day yeah. has a lot to do with it and then on a financial standpoint if someone can honestly think we're going to go for four hours and we're going to have a ball and have fun and then we're going home why would you want to sit through maybe two hours if you're doing a six hour trip or four more hours on an eight hour yeah. trip and slow off. Cause when you go from a, when you set the bar high first thing in the morning, catching a bunch, yeah. when it slows down, it's almost like 
the trip's not fun anymore. And it's like, well, it's still fun, but yeah. we're just not catching up. We're, we, we've caught 40 by 930. And we're gonna catch ten in the next four hours. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's funny. I used to we used to joke uh, back in my tournament days when you you'd look back at your co angler. You know, we called it the flamingo dance because they they they'd be back there looking like a flamingo standing in the water because they'd lift up one leg and roll their foot around and then they put it down and lift up the other leg because that you know that that soreness to start setting in after a couple hours when you had fish. Cause you're right. I mean, that's one element that a lot of people don't take into consideration. It's something I'm trying to teach my son right now. He's very infatuated with starting tournament fishing. And, you know, we're going to start this summer with, um, you know, little three hour night tournaments. And he's, he doesn't understand why dad, like, let's go a Saturday all day. Let's go. Just like you used to do dad, let's go. And I'm trying to teach him like, man, you're going to set yourself up for failure. Let's start with, Hey, look, let's just go try to catch a big fish. You know, let's go ch- try to check, catch a couple of fish for a couple hours. By the time you're done, the tournament be done and, and work our way into these, you know, because all he knows is dad used to fish three-day tournaments. You, you, you fishing right. all day, every day, three days in a row. Why can't I do that, dad? And I'm trying to teach him the, the progression. And your clients are kind of experiencing the same thing. Like, let's, uh, let's not set them up for failure. Let's get in here when the temperatures are down. About the time you get, about the time your shoulder blades start burning we gonna go on to the house that's right uh, and so uh that's awesome keep them interested in, um, in the prime time yeah so overall right now on grunners do you feel like you're enjoying it because you like the grass fish but but overall is 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 fishing good right now on grunners as far as numbers this is the best i've seen it this is the best i've had for numbers in a few years as far as you know the time the, the time spent versus the numbers caught i mean I think yesterday was one of the worst days I've had, and I think we caught 35 by like 11:15, and it was really windy in the morning. The north wind that the weatherman totally missed, and it was kind of chilly and overcast. And then all of a sudden, it popped out sunny and got calm. But that was you know a little front. It kind of hurt them, but we still caught 35. And we had one day I think on Friday we caught like 70. That's so, I mean, a great it's the best, day. Best I've seen the numbers as far as big ones. I, Friday was a special day. Um, that's not the norm. I think we had, I, I know we caught, we fished 12 hours. I had a trip and the guy wanted to fish 12 hours and we caught seven over six, but that's not the norm. That is mm-hmm. absolutely not the normal. You, we've been catching like one over five a day. And I don't know, you know, it might be a five, it might be a six, but mm-hmm. one of like that, most of the average fish is two and a quarter to two and three quarter, three pounds. So it's still fun. It's just, it's not the gunners will have, years ago but it's setting itself up to be the gunners full of eight years ago yeah absolutely i mean when you hear that you're like oh bummer but that's a great telltale sign especially if those fish are healthy you know the, the relative weight you know length versus you know girth is healthy man it, it look it sounds like you, you are working your way towards in the next you know two to three years five years uh, having a really healthy fishery again so that that's exciting uh, is there any kind of go-to, you know, approach right now, uh, and, um, you know, as far as baits and, I mean, how you how you catching these fish? Uh, most of them is all on a spinner bait and a square bill, and that's like the shad spawn. Um, mm-hmm. When it gets a little tougher, switch into, like I said, a light Texas rig with a big worm or a light Carolina rig with a crawl. Uh, most of it's all in either points in the grass or a depression in the grass or a hole in the grass. I mean, Eelgrass has really taken over the last few years, so it kind of changes a lot in how you fish. 
Mm-hmm. Um, big flat might have eelgrass cover in it, but then there's going to be, you know, there'll be irregularities in the flat, and it seems like that's where the fish come from. A lot of yeah. that is either you blindly fishing, or you can have uh, like hummingbird side imaging or 360. You know, there's a lot of the technology is kind of getting crazy and ridiculous now, so that it, it really cuts down the time you can do with electronics. But if you don't have electronics, there's nothing wrong with just fishing down the stretch when you hit them you know they're there they bite so it's pretty that makes it fun well, well a question that i've got is you know when you're fishing a spinnerbait the the big chatter the last few years in the fishing industry has has been the chatterbait when do you fish a chatterbait over a spinnerbait or a spinnerbait over a chatterbait i mean how do you decide or i mean are they kind of intermix there or how do you decide whether whether to fish one or the other to me that's a it's a personal preference the chatterbaits i guess the new school approach and the the spinnerbaits the old school approach i don't know if one's superior over the other during a shad spawn um virtually you're mimicking the same thing you've got flash vibration and a skirt and a trailer that looks like a shad so really that's just i think it comes down to personal preference if you're a chatterbait guy well obviously throw you a chatterbait if you're a spinnerbait guy obviously throw you a spinnerbait good advice yeah i mean it goes back to i mean having confidence in what you're throwing is is key and and look they don't call him the spinnerbait kid for nothing so obviously alex has lots of historic confidence in a spinnerbait you know and i threw a a chatterbait or a, a bladed jig for a number of years with no confidence at all. And, and it took me a long time to build that confidence. And now I'm personally, even though I, I love a spinnerbait in certain conditions, but I, I love throwing a bladed jig because I've built that confidence in it. And it, and it, it, it is it any better than the spinnerbait? No, because it is, you're just mimicking. It's about Same being thing. in the right place at the right time with the right approach with confidence because the last thing you want to do is just man just be spun out just this and that and this and that and this and that and it's all about mimicking what they're feeding on uh and that's the key i think so you know one of the questions i have alex since you're the spinnerbait guy and and king and guru is you know how do you pick the spinnerbait that you're going to use you know when i go to academy sports i can sit there and uh there's a shelf and a wall aisle full of, of spinner baits and different choices. What, how do you choose the spinner bait that you're going to use? What brand maybe do you like over another one? I mean, kind of talk us through that a little bit. Uh, personally to me, I throw one, it's a Jackal Dune. It's new. They come out with it. Um, they've kind of fine tuned their old one. You want small diameter wire on a spinner bait. What that does is it gives it more vibration. At the same time, what that does is if you use too small of wire, they break. And when I say they break, you might catch three, he bends it out. When you go to bend it back together, it breaks. Uh, the wire breaks. Either it breaks at the head or it breaks at the actual the line tie. Um, the jackal one is kind of uh, right in the middle. It's, it's small enough where you're getting very good vibration, but it's thick enough where you're not going to break 10 spinner baits in a day. Skirt colors, I'm a shad color guy. That's really all I care about. Um, if it's got dirtier water, I go to chartreuse and white. So I throw two colors. I try to keep that as simple as humanly possible. Blades, I like a silver and a gold. I just want one of each. I want silver on the front, gold in the back. It kind of gives me a little bit of both. I think two silvers, if the water is a little stained, you're not getting enough flash. If it's, 
if you got double golds in clear water, you've got too much going on. So I just pick one, you know, one and one, one silver, one gold. I probably throw a tandem willow more than anything. I feel like once the water is above 55, 58, that's probably the best blade combination. Comes through grass easy. I try to keep it as simple as possible. Like you said, there's about five million of them. And I don't know which one's the best. All I can say is just pick the one that you like the most and go with that. What do you see? How have you also fine-tuned, you know, there's the whole art of the line diameter and, and the, the pound test of line and getting away with as small a line as possible, but also knowing there's some structure and you kind of have to muscle some fish out sometimes. What is kind of your go-to poundage on your – you know, imagine you fish fluorocarbon line with your spinning bait, but what's your kind of on gunners full? What have you found you kind of go to with a spinner bait, your line, your pound test on your line? That, that is a, that's honestly a, a huge, huge issue that I've seen a lot of people go dip back and forth. Um, mm-hmm. Personally, me, I like 15 pounds. I feel like in grass, I can get that bait a little bit deeper and that's perfect. Mm-hmm. Now, if I was going to fish just, wood all day trees and i was going to put it in the gnarliest of gnarly Mm -hmm. i would probably throw 20 honestly Mm -hmm. but with where i fish i can get away with 15 15 i'm not going to break one when i kind of boat flip them that's not going to happen i don't on gunners well i don't fish wood a lot so i'm not worried about you know i'm going to throw it over three logs and when one hooks it i have to get him out almost like i'm flipping so if you're going to fish really really heavy cover and a lot of lay downs i would say throw 20 if you're going to fish grass, I would say throw 15 and just make it that simple. Don't try to complicate it. Absolutely. Good advice, man. Well, Good insight. Alex, if you could, uh, if you could leave somebody with one tip today, we, and I'm going to kind of simplify it. Gunnersville is huge and can be very intimidating. And, and I know throughout the year, different parts of the lake turn on. And, and if you could give someone, um, you know, obviously without, you know, you have a, a beautiful business going and, and some of the things you do, it's it's very important that you keep them to yourself for your business sake. But if a guy was going to drop a boat in Gunnersville today, you know, what advice would you give him as far as where to start? We should start up, start down. Should, you know, where, where is it kind of, you know, a guy can go and, and, you know, have a little bit of success right now. What, what part of the lake is kind of fishing well? To me, actually the whole lake's fishing well. And it's just because of the amount of grass we have this year. Um, the number one thing I would say to give advice is don't run around the whole lake. If you put in a waterfront, fish near waterfront. If you put in a goose pond, fish near goose pond. Cover, covering water and keeping your bait wet is a lot more important to me than I'm going to go fish this one place at goose pond. Well, I'm going to run to BB Comer. I'm going to fish this one place. Well, let's go to Seabold. Let's go fish a place in Seabold. I mean, mm-hmm. you start doing that and you start you virtually spent your whole day running around. You didn't really get the fish. So you're not really learning anything. So to me, the best advice I can get, put your trolling motor down and go, you will run into fish. It's possible not to on gunners will to run into them. That's awesome, man. Well, if somebody wants to come up there and fish with you, uh, it sounds like now's a great time to do that. Uh, y'all are catching a lot of fish and some, some quality fish. So if somebody wants to come book a trip with you, how do they need to get in touch with you, Alex? Uh, you can get on my website, spinnerbaitkid.com. Um, you can call me. My number's on my website. You can call me anytime, text me, send me an email. 
uh, spinnerbaitkid at gmail.com. So all, all three ways are phone call, you know, get on social media, Alex Davis Fishing. You can get on there, send me a message. Pretty much however you feel like it, I'm, I'm out there. That's awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for, for joining us today and being patient with us, uh, getting you on here. But we look forward to having you back on soon, man, and, and, and be safe out there and, and keep putting them in the boat. That sounds good, guys. I appreciate you having me. Thanks, man. Have a good day. Take care, man. Thank Thanks. You. See you. Bye-bye. Well, guys, that was another good show. We appreciate Alex, uh, as always, and loved having Jeff and Hannah on. It's a treat talking to those guys and, and just, you know, I mean, we talk about bass on here a lot. We talk about crappie and, and uh, striped bass, but we don't get to talk about noodling catfish a lot. So that was, uh, I hope, I hope you guys enjoyed that segment. I know, I know I did anytime I get to talk to those guys. So, but again, that's what I love about, you know, sweet home Alabama is there's, there's so much to pursue in, in the world of fisheries and from the Tennessee river all the way down to the Gulf of Mexico. And, and, and there's so many bodies of water in between and so many different approaches and opportunities just to enjoy fishing and, joy being on the water and 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 so i love it i love it when i get to talk about and something new or something i've ne never done and i i have been an avid fisherman since i was five years old and so great show man what'd you learn man what you what's your takeaway from today's show you know in all seriousness my greatest takeaway is, is i'm gonna have to find a way to man up to stick my hand in, in a fit catfish's mouth I'm because a uh i'm a happy brother it's obviously become so popular that there's got to be something to it you know and i always joke that it ain't ever gonna happen but i've done a lot of crazy things in my life and so why not stick your hand in a fish's well mouth? and i'm gonna <laughs> tell you and you know me and you talk about a lot about getting kids involved uh in the outdoors and in fishing and enjoying what this state has to offer and sometimes that can be really tricky to get them out on the water and keep them engaged I know that noodling may not be for everybody. And, and, and look, you, you can't take an eight-year-old out there and do this. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you, it's, it's, don't, don't tell mine that. Yeah, well, there's a, we, we can do it with him, but we're going we're gonna to do it in a way that's yeah. advantageous for an yeah. eight-year-old to do it, to keep him safe and yeah. keep him excited. But like that group of kids I took out this weekend, they were so excited from the time we got in the boat. I mean, because it's kind of like hunting. You're going from one place to the next, to the next, to the next. They're jumping out. They're getting in. They're checking this hole. They're mm -hmm. checking this hole. And they're loving it because they're engaged yeah. in what they're doing the entire day. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's a good, it's, you know, there again, we, we kind of got to be careful because we don't want to introduce too many people <laughs> to this. It's kind of like uh, that turkey goblin. I don't want everybody yeah. to know where he's at because yeah. they'll kill him. Hey, look, there's ledges all up and down the river, but there's only so many places where these catfish like to get in and, and, and bed. So that's right. Yeah, uh, so, yeah, man, uh, I look forward to giving it a shot one day. Who knows what will happen? But Well, we're going to make it happen, and we're going to make it happen soon. Awesome. Well, guys, thanks for joining us again on Alabama's Freshwater Fishing Report. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope you're getting something out of it. And if you are, just let us know. Shoot us an email. You know, give us a like. You know, rate us on on your podcast app of choice. And man, that stuff really helps us get penetration in the market and let people more and more people know that we exist. And, and so, uh, go check it out and, and, and give us a thumbs up. Uh, if, if, and if we're not, 
you know, let us know. Let yeah. us know. Well, let us know how to pivot. Um, and we we would love it if you'd take the time to write us a, a quick review too. That that helps if you guys will just take a minute, write a sentence or two about what you like about the show. And uh, and there again, if there's something you don't like that we need to improve, we want to hear that too. So we, we urge you guys to do that, and we'd appreciate it. And if you'd like to email, if you'd like us to, we can email you the podcast every week. Uh, just go on over to greatdaysoutdoors.com/affr, uh, and we'll send you that show every week. So uh, that is a wrap for today, guys. And we appreciate uh, appreciate our sponsors, appreciate our guests, and we look forward to talking with you next week. All right, see you guys. All right, man. Take care. We're out. This week's Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report was brought to you by Killer Dock. Check out the full line of all-natural dock-enhancing fish cleaning stations at KillerDock.com. And also brought to you by Geico of Mobile. Give Ron Davis, your Geico agent, a call at 251-445-0053 or visit him online at geico.com forward slash mobile dash AL. And brought to you by Fish Bites, ready to go when you are, regardless of when you're ready to go fishing. This bait stays on the hook and the fish stay on the bait. Check them out, fishbites.com. And brought to you by You Do Outdoors. Check out You Do Outdoors on your app store, Google Play. It's a social media app for whatever you do outdoors. This episode was brought to you by Brian Sand with National Land Realty. You already trust me with your fishing report, so trust me to help you find or sell that next piece of property as well. Just give me a call at 601-383-2344. And also brought to you by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. Become a better southern hunter and angler and pick up your copy today wherever fine magazines are sold or save online at greatdaysoutdoors.com.